it's got great questions. It's got questions that make you think. I mean, that seems to be a really obvious question, doesn't it? At least on the surface. I mean, we certainly don't go looking for dead things moving around among the living unless I'm reading a fantasy novel or I'm binge-watching on Netflix. And we may go among the dead for many, many reasons. We can find memories. We can find closure. We can find escape. But we don't expect to find the living. We don't expect to find the now. We don't expect to find the future. This past summer... On our trip, I took Clay and Reagan and Molly out, to the we- out into the West Texas heat to brave the afternoon and introduce them to Dale Hutchinson. Uh, Dale Hutchinson is the great-grandfather that they've never known. We stood among this patchy Bermuda grass and this really, really hard-packed caliche mud clay stuff that, that, uh, that is all over West Texas. Southwest Texas, looking at this bronze plaque that bore his name, his birth date, and his date of passing, next to a blank plaque that's prepared for my grandmother someday. And I introduced them to him, but not really. I, 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 I was able to talk to them about the man that he was, um, his kind and, and quiet demeanor, his skilled, rough hands from being a carpenter and an engineer most of his life, um, the, the gentle, quiet love that meant so much to me when I was a kid. I got to talk to him about the memories that I enjoyed the most uh, about my time with him before he died in my preteen years. But it's not like my kids could really meet him. They would one day, I explained, because he had trusted the Lord with his life and he was awaiting the day when we would all meet him and join him. See, Dale Hutchinson's alive. I believe that with every fiber of my being because he believed in the resurrection of Jesus and because he made Jesus his Lord. And so he's not there. He's not in the graveyard. He's somewhere else. No, we don't expect these two things to go together. Dead and alive are about as far apart as diametrically opposed as two things can possibly be in their nature. Regardless of how alike they look, regardless of whatever they might evoke out of my mind or my heart or my soul, they're not alike. They can't be alike. One is full of life, the other one is not. I was struck as we stood at that gravesite in Del Rio by the memory of my father standing over the casket of his father stroking the few wisps of hair that ran across his forehead, bending over to kiss him on his cool, bald pate. And even then, though, I knew that he wasn't kissing Papa Dale. Papa Dale wasn't there in the casket. Something essential about him, something living about him, was somewhere else. And, and, and we spoke words together of hope about how the body there and the essential soul, they weren't going to stay apart forever. One day they were going to be reunited because of the power of God that was displayed in Jesus. But, but even as we held his hand or we kissed his head or even when we lowered him into the ground, even in our grief, nobody would have said that we were actually doing those things to him. 
because Dale Hutchinson is alive. I believe that with every fiber of my being because he knows Christ. And so he's not among the dead. He's somewhere else. Why do you look for the living among the dead? The sermon may not seem very joyful, but I, wanna, I want you to hang on for a second. Because sometimes joy is not found merely in shallow celebration. Sometimes joy is found in the deep conviction that the story is not over yet. And that's what I want to remind you of today. That's the joy I want you to hear today. That's the core of the Easter story, is that the story is unfinished yet. It doesn't end at the cross, and it doesn't end at the grave. Not for Christ, not for you, not for me. Why do you look for the living among the dead? To the women who come to the tomb that Joseph of Arimathea has donated in the shadows of the early dawn on Sunday morning, the question is not an obvious question. It's a jarring question. It's an unsettling question. It's a shocking question. You see, they haven't come looking for anything living. What they've come to do is to finish the hasty burial that started Friday evening before the onset of the Sabbath. The burial of the rabbi Jesus, their teacher, their spiritual leader, their rescuer, their advocate, their visionary, their friend. Laden down, they come to the one that they hoped was going to be Messiah. Heavy under the, the, not just the weight of these expensive spices and oils that they come with, but heavy with the emotions that they bear. They come not to just prepare a body. They've come to embalm their hopes. They've come to preserve their memories. They've come to bury what was in order to be able to live in the reality of what they think is. See, and that's where the question hits them. That's why it's jarring, because it clashes with them, and it ruptures their reality with a new possibility. That instead of a sealed tomb, they find an open one. And instead of, an, of grave clothes containing a body, the grave clothes are there, but the one that they were wrapped around is not there. And instead of darkness and shadows, there are two figures that look like lightning that are standing there waiting for them. And they ask, as though it were the most obvious question in the universe, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus is alive, so obviously he wouldn't stay in the tombs. The Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to the cross of salvation has empowered him through the grave and out the other side into a reality of resurrection where life instead of death is the final state of humanity and, yes, of all creation. And so the women are asked to deal with this question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? The question 
that changes everything. And they respond in one of the only ways they know how. The two Marys and Joanna and the other women, they stop looking for Jesus in the tombs and they go out among the living, looking for him and this new reality that he is pioneering and proclaiming that reality to those who would also go looking for Jesus. I love Peter. He is so much like me. That's probably why I love him. When the women come and they bring this story of this new reality, a lot of people dismiss it as nonsense. And I don't want to be overly harsh here, but I do want to key in on this. Even disciples can be misled into the understanding that a dead and distant Jesus, tragic as it is, is less bothersome than the life-altering reality of a resurrected Jesus. Hear me on that. Even people that follow Jesus can be misled into the idea that a very distant, very inactive Jesus is the best way to go. We can get that close, but the idea of a resurrected, life-altering Jesus, well, that starts to mess with me. And so some people say, this sounds like nonsense, it's too much. Peter, on the other hand, he believes. I really believe that he believes. But he does something really interesting. He hears the whole thing. He hears the entire account. He even hears the statement, why do you, they said to us, why do you go look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. And what does he do? He goes back to the tombs. He runs flat out into the graveyard, passes through the doorway, sifts through the grave clothes. And wanders away in confusion, unsatisfied, unfulfilled, unresolved. Why do you seek the living? How many times in my daily journey do I need to hear the words of the messengers of God? How often, knowing in our bones this resurrected reality of Jesus, knowing it, do we go and search for life among things that cannot give it, will not give it, are unable to give it? Among the human, among the material, among the fleeting, among the temporary. Why do we seek the living among the dead? I believe that our ability to truly be a disciple of Jesus, the Son of God, requires the ability for me to openly and frequently ask myself this question. Simply because it is not easy to be open to the life-altering reality of a resurrected Jesus but the truth of the matter is that the resurrection changes everything. Everything. It is the defining moment of human history because as Luke has repeatedly shown us, Jesus is the forerunner. He's the prototype. He's the pioneer of everything that the Holy Spirit is doing in the church. 
I just want you to stop and try and wrap your mind around that for a second. Did you hear what I just said? Everything that God has done in Jesus is the, is the blueprint for everything that he is doing now in you. You may not feel like that right now. You may feel like you're miles away from that right now. You may feel like that is the exact opposite of how you would describe your life. And I would say to you, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Is it that he's not doing that? Or is it that you're still walking around in the tombs? Everything that Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is in the process of birthing and growing and maturing in you to make you like him. As he is God's child, so are we. As he was empowered to proclaim the good news, so are we. As he was spreading and participating in the kingdom of heaven, so do we. And as he has been brought from death to life through the power of the Holy Spirit, so have we. Now and forevermore. And there's no going back, so we're called to leave the dead behind and go to live among this new living reality of life. Sure, we can reflect on the time before we entered into this reality. We can reflect on the times of brokenness that we had before Christ. We can reflect on on those things because they're good. It's good to know the changes that God is making. It's good to say things like, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I'm able to see, and more so every day. It's good to know that we're on this journey. It's good to know that it's not done yet, but what's not good is to go back and live in the tombs. Anytime you're tempted to go back, it's time to let that question ring out new in our souls again. Why do we seek the living among the dead? Why are you heading back to the empty graves of money or success or prestige or the approval of others? or self-focus, a relationship in order that you hope to meet something living and life-changing there. Why? Why do we withdraw into ourselves, revisiting our failures or our regrets as though these things will respond to us or empower us on our daily graveside visits to them? Why do we go back? day after day after day and dwell there. Why do we seek the living among the dead? Why do you live among the emptiness of the tombs, you who feel alone or abandoned or rejected or betrayed by others or you who feel abandoned by hope or you who feel imprisoned or chained up by your sins? Why why do you stay in the tombs? Jesus doesn't live there. In fact, he's come to draw you out of that place. He's come to bring you 
away from there, to remove the demons of your sin, to restore your heart from grief and tragedy, to bring you to the place of new life in him. And so why would we seek the living Jesus among the dead things of this life? Because he's not there. That's not where he lives. Church, today is a blessed day because we get to celebrate the pinnacle of our joy, don't we? The very, very height, the high point of our whole story is here. That Jesus is alive and he is with us and we celebrate a very audacious truth today is that the God I serve is the one who is willing to give himself for me to bring me into new life today. Today and every day. All our hopes, everything we are, hangs on that thing. And you know what the best part is? He will never die again. It's done. It's over. He's never going to head back to a tomb ever again. Instead, you know what he's doing? He's out on the loose. I borrow that phrase from Monique frequently. Jesus is on the loose. He's out moving. He's out working. He's out growing. He's out doing. And he invites you and I to leave the tombs of our existence and go out where he is. To go out and be living and working and growing and moving and being through the power of the spirit that he has vested in you and me. Everything has changed. Yesterday was the tomb of tragedy. Yesterday was the tomb of justice. That's behind us. Today is the day where we go out from that. Today is the day where we leave those things. And we go out in joy, and we go out in freedom. And so I beg you today, wherever you are, if, you're, if you've been doing this church thing your whole life, if you are just getting introduced to Jesus, I don't know where you are right now, but I want to beg one thing of you today. Don't go back to the empty tombs of life that promise you everything and give you nothing. Because life does not exist there. Because Jesus does not exist there. He doesn't live there. He's risen. Isn't he? He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. So let's worship in that freedom. Let's worship in that reality. Let's go forth and live as he lives. Let's stand together.